five fingers. Thank you. Bless you. Bless the man that said that. Um, crazy weather we're having, eh, lately? Whoa. Apparently it's supposed to be the wettest January we've ever had uh, so far uh, to date here in um, New Zealand. So definitely in Auckland anyway. So has, does anyone know of anyone that's suffered because of the flood? Can we have any show of hands? Yeah, a few people. A few people. If it gets pretty serious, then let us uh, let Pastor Craig know. He wants to hear all of those things. But if you do, we're quite serious that we do want to help people. So that'd be fantastic. Um, Man, 2023, it's been a crazy, crazy year. Um, it's just the screen won't rotate, so I've had to turn it. And we're just about at the end of the first month, 2023, and time goes by. And I look at my kids, and, and, and I remember back to the time when they were just like, you know, they're burping, I had to change their nappies, and um, I remember just waking up and just, man, praying to God that they would quickly go back to sleep. And um, those, I don't know, and I thought those days were tough, but now we're at the stage that they're saying, I don't want to. Hey, can you go and clean your dishes? Or no, take your dishes to the bench. They can't clean, they're too, a bit too small. I don't want to. Hey, can you go take your clothes to the, to the washing, uh, to the basket. I don't want to. Hey, can you go and get dressed? Please. I don't want to. I don't want to. And as parents, you know, our patience can sometimes wear thin and fast. And, um, and this is just my, out of my own curiosity. Has there, any, has there been anyone here that's received a phone call from husband or wife, partner, whatever? Hello, your child is getting on my nerves. You need to speak to them right now. Is there anyone? Yep. Oh, far out. I thought, I thought my children were the, the only ones. You know, some ways parenting can be like, you know, like a Christian journey. You're going, uh, you're experiencing awesome stuff in the Lord, and there have been some awesome times. And I've seen God move powerfully in transforming people's lives here in this church and other churches, responding to God's word and giving their hearts to God. And people, you know, falling over and slain in the spirit. And then it's been testimonies of healings and more. But then on the flip side, and if I'm being totally honest, and Sienna, if you can show that first slide, that'll be fantastic. Over the last 30 years, I've come to, you know, probably be accustomed to this sentence. Or I've heard it from other people. And maybe you've felt the same way too, and you've had a disagreement with someone. Maybe you were let down by someone. Maybe it was a pastor or a leader. Maybe someone in your congregation. Maybe it was a friend that you're really close to, a relative or a parent that caused you so much pain, it said, and made you hate church. And maybe you're here because the last church you went to caused you you know, grief or resentment, they're coming to this church will somehow avoid the pain that's in your life. And today I'll possibly touch on some aspects or some undoubt issues in our lives or in your life, definitely in my life. And I pray that we expose them, we bring understanding and healing in Jesus' name. 
Now, before we get into it, I wanted to make it absolutely clear that this isn't going to be a moaning session of my baggage. And if you stay with me, I'll provide you with biblical insight on how to respond. And that's the key thing to how to respond, not react into situations or circumstances that can lead you to resent church. And sometimes it can lead you to resent God. Because my heart is, I don't want you to associate, yeah, just bad experiences with him. So before we get into further on with my uh, issues or your issues as well, I want to explain what is church. What is church? You know, when I say that, what is church for you guys? What is church? Is it some idea of an old man who thought of it a great idea for people to come together and just sit down? Or maybe it's like a, a church building where you've got pews, wooden pews, and you're listening to some boring person speaking, hopefully not today. But let's look at what the Bible says, which is always a good thing. The Bible says in Matthew 16, where the first time the word church is mentioned, Jesus asks a question in verse 13. He says, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they say, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon, spar Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So basically, Peter says, Jesus, you are the anointed one. You are are special. You are the chosen one. You actually know phony. There have probably been many people before and many people afterwards that have claimed to be as special as Jesus Christ. But here Peter's saying, you are no phony. You are divine. You're of God. And due to that revelation, Jesus said, spot on, mate. Spot on, Peter. That's exactly what I want to hear. That's how my church will be built. And that word church in the Greek, because it's in the New Testament, is ecclesia. And everyone, if you could say ecclesia. Fantastic. It means a gathering of people into a public place assembly. So there can be other ecclesia. But in the Christian sense, in our sense of what we're gathered here right this morning, it's a gathering of worship. And there are other, other people, probably millions of people are gathering in their church right as we speak. But church, and this is another meaning of church, can also mean everyone in this whole planet as scattered Christians throughout the world. So there's church as we are right, right now, and there's church as the whole body around the world. 
Then in Ephesians 5, the church is portrayed as the bride of Christ. Now bear with me. This is a lot of reading, but it's all useful. And out of reverence for Christ, be supportive of each other in love. For wives, this means being devoted to your husbands like you are tenderly devoted to our Lord. For the husbands, provides leadership for the wife, just as Christ provides leadership for his church as the saviour and reviver of the body. In the same way the church is devoted to Christ, let the wives be devoted to their husbands in everything. And to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. All that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy, without fault or flaw. Husbands have the obligation of loving and caring for their wives the same way they love and care for their own bodies. For to love your wife is to love your own self. No one abuses their own body, but pampers it, serving and satisfying its needs. Its needs. That's exactly what Christ does for his church. He serves and satisfies us as members of his body. For this reason, a man is to leave his father and his mother and lovingly hold to his wife, since the two have become joined as one flesh. Marriage is a beautiful design of the Almighty, a great mystery of Christ and his church. Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great mystery of Christ and his church. So every married man should be gracious to his wife just as he is gracious to himself, and every wife should be tenderly devoted to his husband. Man, what a crazy idea. And I love what the Christian Bible app and New Version explains, what the bride of Christ, and that's what I want to touch on this morning. You know, wow, what a crazy thought that Jesus is married. Jesus is married. How can he be married to the church? These are great questions, and Scripture uses multiple metaphors or word pictures to help us understand different realities of the church. And this particular phrase used as a metaphor to show God's love for his church. When two people get married, there is commitments and sacrifice that comes in their relationship. That's why people make vows during their wedding. They promise to love each other no matter what. And you know, God has promised to love his people no matter what. Amen. And he has also made the ultimate sacrifice so that we can have a relationship with him. 
And you will notice that sometimes the Bible describes Jesus as the Lamb of God. And this is expressing how Jesus sacrificed his life or died for us. And now, this gets really interesting. In Bible times, when a man wanted to propose to a woman, this is back in the Bible, he would have to pay the girl's father for the chance to ask her to marry him. <laughs> now imagine that. There's no guarantee. You've just basically gone to the potential father-in-law, all the guys, you've gone to the father-in-law, you've paid him some whatever the price is, and there's no guarantee that she's going to say yes. Oh, and then there's this part. The guy would sit at the table with the girl, with the whole family around, no pressure, and during the meal, he would offer her a cup of wine. It was basically like, exactly like how we get down on one knee with a ring. And this was, this was a symbol of a promise or the covenant between it. Now, you just imagine like everyone's having a meal, maybe they're roast, whatever it is, and um, there's meat or vegetables, whatever. And in the direction where the lady's sort of stretching out as the cup and the bride or, or the guide-to-be is just hoping that she would just pick up that cup and just drink that cup. But instead, she just moves past it and <laughs> reaches for the salt. <laughs> anyway, that'd be cruel. In the covenant, the one making promises to fulfill their part even if the other party doesn't. If the girl accepted... Then they were engaged. The guy would go off and prepare a house for the two of them, and they would not see each other until the father of the groom to be said to the groom to be said the house was ready. Now, can you imagine it? Here's what's even more crazy. During the last supper, Jesus took a cup of wine and he offered it as a covenant to his disciples. You know, they, they must have felt pretty awkward or strange about what was happening in front of them because it was like a proposal. And this covenant wasn't a marriage proposal. It was a promise that Jesus would love them forever as their saviour. What a picture. He would die and rise from the grave and then would go to be with his father to prepare a place for his people. You know, we are all waiting until he returns to bring us home with him. As the church of Christ, here, right now, we are loved unconditionally, you know, redeemed endlessly, and showered with mercies every day. As his church, we have the privilege of preparing for his return, just like a bride prepares for her groom. So when somebody says that they hate the church, to be honest and frank with you, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. And this leads me to the very point that I want to make it very clear. There are people within church that carry baggage. And that baggage can be their mindsets or their sin or anything that affects others in a negative way. And as a result of our baggage, my baggage, people get hurt. People get abused. People get used and so on and so on. 
So when somebody says they hate church, whether they know it or not, what they're saying is that they hate Jesus' bride. And imagine if someone came to you on your wedding done, on your wedding day. Uh, excuse me. Well, I know you're getting married soon, but you know your father-in-law? Well, he kind of looks funny. And he dresses like a weirdo as well. And because of that, I hate your fiancé. It's absolutely crazy. And if I'm honest, I've unintentionally and intentionally hurt people. I don't like it, but it's just what happens. And for example, the other day, I was playing knots and crosses with my son, Jaira, and just having a good old fun time. You know, I could have done the easy thing, and probably the polite thing was to just let him win. But on this particular day, I had a brainstorm that I'm going to thrash him and smash him, and it's every father's duty to make sure their son loses in a respectable and honourable way. And what turned out to be a fun game, for me anyway, ended with Jaira absolutely demoralised. He packed up and just walked away. But the main thing is that I won. <laughs> no, but, but seriously, we, we need to understand people just like me and sometimes we get it wrong. We get it wrong. And if you can get over the injustice done to you, I love what Jesus said, take out the log out of your eye before pointing out the speck, into, speck in others. In other words, we have no right to judge people's lives um, because we haven't dealt with the baggage in our own life first. And I believe in order for this church to thrive, we need to receive God's grace and to give it as well. We need to receive God's grace and give grace as well. So with that in mind, and I'm going to cross over some, some paths that um, might trigger, I'm going to share what, what I really resent about church and the people, and expect in one particular uh, situation. And I've come across a lot of people who think they can do a better job if they were the leaders, if they were the pastors. And I want to take this time and speak about pastors Craig and Trin. They haven't said that who I thought weren't going to be here this weekend. <laughs> no, no, no. I, hope, I, hope, I just want to make it clear that I hope you realise and understand that we are absolutely privileged to have this couple here uh, this morning. You know, for 15 years, I've known some of the stories that they've endured some of the harshest trials you could ever um, imagine. And surprise, surprise, was people in, the, in church. Yet regardless, they've held fast to the calling of God. They've understood, they've understand that uh, God did not cause the pain, but the people and the baggage they carry. You know, look at the, the fruit of their faithfulness. Uh, it, it's in me, it's, it's in people, it's, it's around as well, 
uh, it's in their children. And can I encourage you, uh, let's not take them for granted, you know, like we hear about people passing away the other day, just, we just never know when uh, things like that happen. And another thing that I hate, and it, and it, and it hurts as well, is when good friends decide they, they want to move on from church. I remember there was one family at church, and we, Anna and I, grew to love as, as family friends, and uh, our kids played together. We had awesome times eating and, and having barbecue together. And for whatever reason, the wife decided not to come back. And there was nothing for her, uh, that Anna or, or her friends could do to change her mind. And I remember lying down on a bed and, and seeing Anna just crying, and crying for a range of things, crying because she knew this was the place that she needed to be, um, and crying because I suppose uh, we were both grieving the loss of close friends. And, and they're like family. And the, and the biggest pain when, when came when the kids asked, we haven't seen uh, their name here for a while. Where are they, Daddy? And I just had to explain that their mummy and daddy didn't want to come back anymore. And another thing I hate is when the team puts a lot of effort upon the stage and, and you see people who are just not responding but it's just probably me judging it because I express worship in, in a different way. And then the list can go on and on and on and on. And that's enough moaning from me. And do you want to know what stopped my heart to become resentful or hateful towards church? Let's, I'm just going to give you three reasons. Number one, get an understanding of God. He must be number one not people. He must be number one, not people. Remember, people fail people. It's just the world that we live in, and God can't. And the Bible says that love never fails. Love never fails. We've all been given grace when Jesus died for us. That same grace and mercy is to be shown to others, even when we're right. And we've been wronged. I urge you to keep your love and passion for God strong. And for the last couple of weeks, few weeks actually, it's been awesome. I've been waking up early, uh, spending more time with God, more time in His Word. I've removed distraction, distracting apps, as uh, the message was uh, yesterday, uh, last week, from my phone. And I encourage you to do the same. Personally, I find I'm less anxious. I'm less obligated to do things because I should rather than I want. Number two, if you're struggling to deal, deal with people when they've mistreated you or you've made mistakes, then look no further. Talk about perfect timing. In four weeks' time, invest in your life and do the cleansing streams course. Look, I, it might sound like I'm trying to sell it, and yes, I am in such a way but it's my heart that, uh, for you guys to, to know and be the best 
what has God called you? And so here we go. These points were in the slide earlier. Gain an understanding of, of the principle of ongoing personal freedom. Who doesn't want that? Feel empowered and encouraged to be all that you can be for the Lord. During the day of freedom, gain freedom from generational issues and experience healing and wholeness. Get on to it, guys. And thirdly, get connected. Keep coming. For those who are here today, keep doing what you're doing. Get connected. Get involved with people. Join a connect group. Join a dance group. Whatever it is, it's just having lots of fun amongst people that know and, and know Christ. Um, I say dance group because I've just joined with other Christians as well. Um, and it's, it's an absolute blast. And it's awesome to see people who are a lot more mobile and flexible and younger than you. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 from the NIV version says, Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting each other together. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as the day approaching. It was referring to Jesus when he comes soon. It's a pretty small message this morning. And if I summarize everything, when people say they hate the church, it's not really the church that's the problem. It's more about the person is where they're at in their heart and in what they know. So rather than just committing to go church, to go to church, let us remember that we are the church. We are the church. Since we began church this year, we've had three powerful messages, awesome messages. And the first week, if you remember from Pastor Trinity, it was three attitudes that will change our lives if we apply them. Last week was about distractions and how to diminish them and fix our focus on Christ and our purpose. And these things, you know, like people pay like thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars just to hear like these basics, these principles that we've spoken of in the last couple of weeks. And yet we get to hear it for free. God's heart is clear for revive, for you, there's a common thing that he wants the absolute best for us. He wants the best for us. And that's where I want to leave it today. I just want to pray. And while we pray, I'm just going to pray that God does some stuff. If they've raised any issues in your life, then come have a chat or whatever it is. Come do cleansing streams. I'm sure Pastor Craig will probably speak about that more later. But I'm just going to pray. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord Father, that you uh, love us unconditionally. We thank you that you desire the best for us. Father, I know that it's, it's your will that, uh, that we carry um, only what you've designed us to carry. Lord Father, we thank you, Lord God, because of what you did on that cross, Lord, that you can remove 
the issues, this, the, the, the baggage that is slowing us down. And we thank you, Lord Father, because of what he's done. He's given us life uh, more than what we can without him, Lord Father. So, Lord, we just pray that we, um, as the church, that we respond to your word when it's preached, that we go out into community, that we represent you well into the, uh, outside these four walls and as well inside these four walls, Lord Father, that we be your hands and your feet, that we uh, encourage people with, to meet together, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord Father, for your divine healing, Lord Father, to touch people's lives and the issues that they're struggling with right now, that your desire and love for them is to restore, to bring back even more, Lord Father. Lord, what the enemy has robbed, Lord Father. Lord, we pray that there be a double, Lord God, released into people's lives, Lord God. Thank you, Father, that your desire is for good and not for evil, that we're people of hurt that you've made a way to come back and bring restoration and revival, Lord Father. So we thank you for the name that you placed upon this church, that this church, Lord God, and the churches around that are representing the core Revive Home, Lord Father, that they'd be speaking and spoken of in truth and in love. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.